Hi there, Neil here. Obviously, you love to travel. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Circa, our app available right now from the App Store on iOS, is filled with podcasts and guides for travelers. But more than that, it has a feature that we're calling the Circa Concierge, where you can have any question about any place you're traveling answered by real people on the ground. We're giving you a friend to ask anywhere in the world. And hey, if you've got questions about Barcelona, you might even get me. Because I love to help people discover my city. And if you're the same way for the city where you live, then we want you to become part of the Circa Concierge too. Right now, we're searching for concierges in Barcelona, Rome, London, Paris, Madrid, Venice, and New York City. Don't see your city listed? That's okay. We'll be rolling out new cities throughout the year, and yours might just be next. If you love where you live and love to help travelers, sign up now to be a Circa Concierge. Help out our users and earn tips for the knowledge you have about your own city or country. Head over to circatravel.com forward slash concierge and sign up today. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Circa. Love the world you live in and we'll help you explore it. Should we cheers? Are we recording already? Yeah. Ah. If we're in Mexico, what do we say? Salud. 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 Viva Mexico, cabrones! Yeah, exactly. Eso. <laughs> but people think that we say that all the time, and we don't. <laughs> Nobody would say that. No? <laughs> in every cheers. <laughs> Ridiculous. There you go, misinformation. Strike it up. There are things we think we know about places, but history, prejudice, stereotypes, and the viral nature of 24-hour news and social media has made common knowledge about faraway places more twisted than ever. Today on Misinformation, we try to clear up some of the outright lies, mistakes, myths, and misnomers of an entire country by doing what we do best, by having a chat with someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Today, we ready our minds, stomachs, and souls to tackle the United States of Mexico. <laughs> yeah. These 31 federal entities and Mexico City, which is its own thing entirely, is a rich, historied country with incredible food, ancient culture, an iconic identity. Also, long fiestas and longer siestas. Or is it? Today on Misinformation, we head there with our friend Elena Garcia Beltran. She's a mother, she's a lover, she's sometimes a fighter, but most importantly, she's the most hilarious corporate lawyer you will ever meet. Elena made sure this was going to be a really, really special episode, especially for me, a Bolivian raised on Mexican media, idiosyncrasy, language, and culture. I'm very excited. Because I, I get to come at one misinformation episode from two sides. As somebody who was, went to an American school, but in Bolivia. So I get the racism of the gringos okay. south, and then our <laughs> kind of love of Mexico. All of everything we got, they were dubbed by Mexican actors. Okay. So our idea of the way you speak Spanish is the Mexican way. Mexicano way. Do you tone down your accent here? I think that my accent hasn't changed because I moved with expats, like with your psoriasis. So <laughs> I don't get to actually speak in Spanish that much where I like change my accent like Paulina Rubio or all of these like Mexicans <laughs> that came to Spain and changed their accent. But in Spanish, I think I speak the same as when I'm in Mexico. Yeah. Mm, okay. 
So, Elena sat down with our sorry asses to talk about some of the foibles, fixtures, myths, and stereotypes of her home country. And first up, a question we didn't even think was a question. So, w when... Did I realize I was Mexican? <laughs> <laughs> It's actually not a bad question. It's really good. I thought... You wake I up in a cold sweat one Jesus night. Jesus was Mexican. <laughs> It was like a, it was a real moment when I realized that Jesus was, I remember this moment because he was in a Catholic school and I was like, oh my God, Jesus is not Mexican. <laughs> She's right though. If you look at, if you look at Jesus, he's a, no. little, Mexican. He's a little bit Mexican. He's a little bit Mexican. And also because like the church, everybody thinks that Jesus is where they're from when they're children. Except if you're from Bolivia. Yeah. Nobody important was born in Bolivia. <laughs> But Jesus could be Mexican. Because Mexico is like the superpower in Latin America. So there you go. First, obvious question answered. Jesus was not Mexican. It's Jesus, not Jesus. Sorry. Weirdly, something we came across a lot online while prepping this chat was a lot of confusion as to which part of the Americas Mexico is actually in. I know. So, wh where... I'm just going to say this. Is Mexico? <laughs> no, I'm just going to say this. Mexico's, Mexico's in South America. No! no! It's in North America. Ah, that is... Was that a trick question for Mexicans? It was. <laughs> Because people know. think it's South America. Yeah. Or Central America. Or Central it's America. Not, it's, it's North not. America. Elena is from Monterrey in the northeast of the country. Founded in 1596, the city got off to an incredibly slow start. Even 200 years later, it barely had a few hundred residents. But in the 19th century, the population grew astronomically. In the Mexican-American War, it was captured and nearly destroyed by U.S. troops before industry flooded into the city in 1882. Thousands of workers were producing iron, brass, steel, wagons, textiles, beer, and flour. And it boomed. Monterrey now has the third largest economy in the country. It's also ranked as one of the safest and most livable cities in Mexico. So Monterrey is a is the third big city in Mexico. It's known for like it's it's very industrial and it's very American in the way of its setup, like mm. these big highways, very Texan. So we have a lot of traditions from the U.S. Mm. because of our closeness to Texas. Monterrey is also a huge university town, and it has the number one ranked university in the country. So, I'm a lawyer. Okay. Jesus, uh, you kept that quiet. I know. What? Being a lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> People always get very scared. I'm gonna do nothing. Like, it's very expensive to work for you. Like, why would you be scared? <laughs> you told me you're a classical pianist. <laughs> Scholarships, degrees, badassedness. Elena got an offer after university to open a new branch for a firm in Mexico City one of the undeniable great metropolises on Earth. Living in a city with a greater population of nearly 23 million people, it must have its blessings and curses. But it seems that Elena only had one real problem in her years in Mexico City. Mezcal. Moved to Mexico City when I was 23. Okay. Oh. I went there to work. Ciudad de Mexico. Ciudad de Mexico, a beast. And I was there for three years. Wow. The most amazing three years of my life. And that's when I had that mezcal phase that I was talking to oh, you about. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> why do you drink mezcal like anymore? Because lost... I used to get naked. Yeah. <laughs> the lost weekend. Elena's <laughs> lost weekend. Usually when you hear the phrase mezcal phase, that means yeah. so you were an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. Ah, mezcal. You cruel, cruel mistress. You all know it. Because because it gets you naked. Of course it does. This rich, smoky, strong spirit made to be sipped neat can also be a killer in the hands of a top quality mixologist. Made from the agave, a succulent plant native to Mexico, which can take from seven to 20 years to mature. There are roughly 30 different variations of agave that can be used to make mezcal. 
But mezcal is not tequila. It's actually the other way around. Tequila is a particular kind of mezcal. It follows the same cycle as tequila, mm -hmm. but they stop at some like purifying process. Right. And it became very trendy in Mexico City about like 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Like they start opening a lot of mezcalerias and because it's a very, it's a drink that makes women take labor. their clothes off. That's exactly. why, that's why it, that, became that it was for labor, you know, right. like to make it through the day. Exactly. Sure. It was very cheap mezcal, like, I don't know, five years a bottle. And, but it became very trendy. So all these mezcalerias start opening and doing cocktails. And obviously, because I was 25 and I wanted to be cool, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend otherwise. <laughs> you are cool. I started drinking tequila by the glass and I would always get naked. <laughs> so I stopped. <laughs> Well, it sounds like a not. A well, it sounds like Mexico not City. a great ad campaign for mezcal. Well, it depends on like who do you want to sell Red it Bull, to. Red Bull gives you wings. Yeah. Mezcal, mezcal gets, gets you naked. One hundred percent. All right, but that's enough of doing ad campaigns for mezcal. Let's get back to Mexico City for a second. When you're flying into Mexico City. There's like an hour where you're flying over it. Like, yes. Yeah. You're flying over a city for a long time. Yeah. You think like, I'm about to arrive, but you're not. And then you you're keep... 40 minutes. You keep arriving. Yes. And then it was this thing. It, like the experience of being in a city wow. that big is... It's hard to like put into words. People, like when you, I think there's like, I don't know, 20 million people living in Mexico City or something like that. Like, I think the double of the amount that actually live in Mexico City come to Mexico City every day to work. But people, as I would, I would have people in the office saying like, oh yeah, I have to wake up at four in the morning to arrive at <laughs> nine to work. And then I leave at six and I arrive back home at 11. <laughs> what? Oh my God. Yeah. That's like five Londons. It's, I was going to say, it's Mexico City has more than twice the population of the entire country that I'm from. <laughs> it's massive. And you feel Actually, it. it's probably pretty close to the entirety of Australia. Really? I think Australia is like 26 million people. How many kangaroos? <laughs> 17 times that. Yeah. I would like say. Three per person. <laughs> <laughs> the ratio is three to one. It's true. The entirety of Australia... The sixth largest country on Earth has only a few million more people than Mexico City. It's insane. Neil, have you ever been to Mexico City? Well, I have been to Mexico. I was in Mexico Where? for 2006, I think. Was ah, that ago. was when the things were really bad. Well, yeah, they were bad. We passed a few little crime scenes along the way. And then we got pulled over by the police because we were in a, uh, we had an APB out on our car. We were in a stolen car. Why? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? You, were, you had stolen a car from the United States? To, no. Were you fleeing into Mexico? Well, there was two reasons. We had a rental car from Canada, which apparently you're not supposed to take through two countries to Mexico. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do two countries. And our credit card had bounced. So we'd oh. rented this car for like 90 days, at like a really cheap rate, but something fucked up with our credit card. So we just got two massive cops. But like the federales? Yeah, or? Mexican yeah. cops. And they were like, um, this car's reported stolen. And they had to drive us to a library. Because we didn't have... Oh, internet. We didn't have internet on our phones. So <laughs> I we, was wondering, I was like, they, library. they escorted us to a library so we could email Hertz, rent a car. So we could get onto your so Hotmail account. And then we just turned around and drove back because the hotel that we were supposed to be staying at looked like the bit in No Country for Old Men when they kill... Yeah, no, that was horrendous. There was like police tape and we were like, let's save Mexico for another time. Let's save the dark side of Mexico for a little bit later on. Hmm. Instead, um, hmm. religion? Like, Mexico is very religious, very Catholic. Because Jesus is from there. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and the further away you're from Mexico City, the more religious and, I don't know how to say this word. Which one? Conservative. So more conservative. So I was very frustrated about that, living in Monterrey, in right. this like super conservative environment. Roman Catholicism is the dominant religion in Mexico. 
The 2022 census reports that Mexico has around 98 million Catholics, which equates to approximately 80% of the total population, making it the second largest Catholic country in the world after Brazil. 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 Making it the second largest Catholic country in the world after Brazil. When you grew up in Monterrey and you went to Catholic school, was it something that you just did or did you actually have a, a period of time where you actually believed? Yeah, of know? course. Yeah? Like, a lot of people are very Catholic, like, unironically. Right. <laughs> 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 like, they just it's the are. best sentence I've ever heard. That's like an onion headline. <laughs> person yeah. finds out he's Catholic ironically. <laughs> and... Yeah, my mother is very religious, but in a more liberal way. Okay. Like, she's like, you have sex, it's a condom, but so, yeah. Mm. So relaxed Catholic. But the school I was in, it was Opus Dei, which Ooh. is like, yes. What was the movie that depicted them? Fucking Tom Hanks movie. Yes. Um, the, the, the Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Okay. Yeah. The evil people of the Da Vinci Code. You know, when Batman has to go <laughs> and like... Sorry. Learn kung fu in the mountains. Yeah. It's that level of Catholicism. Oh, jeez. Like yeah. deep, it's hardcore. hermetic, hardcore Catholicism. Yeah. And they figured out that a good way to, um, you know, get into society was schooling. Yeah. yeah. Corporate law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was fully indoctrinated, like, oh, having sex before you get married is a sin mm. and ridiculous stuff like that. They even tell us in school, they used to tell us, that if you wore a bikini, it was a sin because then men would have like thoughts, thoughts and, and it thoughts. was your fault. So anti me too. It was like not us. How dare Hashtag you? Hashtag not Rever us. Reverse me too. Yes. Reverse me too. <laughs> so obviously, a girl who gets naked at the sniff of mezcal doesn't seem like a poster child for the Catholic Church. What happened, Elena? In university, I had a, uh, I did an Erasmus in Milan, and that like properly woke me up. How old were you? Twenty-one. Okay. Yeah, I was very old. <laughs> and, it's okay. And a virgin. Take it easy. By choice. Twenty-one and a virgin in Milan by choice. By choice, yeah. And you saw like a handsome like salmon totally, shirt. And yeah. No, no, no. It was. Jean guy on a Vespa. I don't know how... You'd had a couple of mezcals. How, how deep I should get in this, but it was very eye-opening because I was sitting, we went into this day trip to, like, I don't know, a little city around Italy, around Milan, and I was sitting next to this, this guy, it was a Hindu, mm. and he was like, well, we were, we were talking about the religions, as you do, <laughs> university, <laughs> and he was saying, like, yeah, well, I, I'm going to marry someone, and I'm not going to be able to kiss them until the day I marry and I was like, Oof. do you know that you're a moron? <laughs> Why? Like, not kissing? Is kissing a sin in your religion? That's like the worst religion. Like, I can kiss. <laughs> I can get a finger in and then, like, <laughs> say I'm sorry. No, but like, no kissing. My God. And that's when I realized, like, in that school tree, I realized that religion uh, was shit. Wow, it took a Hindu. Yeah, I was like, no, no way. Yeah. Not even fingers, that's awful. That might be my favorite misinformation yeah. story of all time. And that's when I stopped being a Catholic. <laughs> so, on to another religion in the country. A religion you can't escape from. A religion you can't hide from. A religion that is so ingrained and deep that it is a lifetime of inevitability forever and ever and ever. Family. Society is very strong and very mm. close together because families are massive. Mm -hmm. Massive. Oh, yeah. And in Mexico it's a thing. Like You have your cousins, your second cousins, and your aunts, and your second aunts. And my wedding was very small for Mexican standards. We were 200 guests. <laughs> It was very small. I know that you're laughing, but it was very small. So what would be a normal Keep Mexican wedding? Like 500 people. All right, guys. So if we list these places, Guadalajara, Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Tijuana, Mexico City, Puerto Vallarta, 
Acapulco. What do you think of? It's partying, of course. It's so easy to get carried away, having fun, talking with Mexican people. It's easy to see why the nights can get really late and unpredictable. So much so that after almost 15 minutes, we realized something. We haven't done a single question. I know. Well, I have a question. Did you have a quinceañera? Oh. Yes, I did. The quinceañera. A sweet 15, if you will. The party that every teenage girl dreams of. The biggest night of her life. Back in the day of the Aztecs, when a girl turned 15, she would be considered ready for marriage. This coming-of-age tradition is now a worldwide tradition. What was it like? Cheesy as fuck. <laughs> as I was hoping. Yes, but not like... Did you have like a pink chiffon No, dress? no, 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 okay. no, because I wasn't a basic bitch. <laughs> but obviously I danced like the first dance... El Vals, yeah. with my dad and with my brothers and all my friends were there, like dressed very formally. And I had a chambelan, <laughs> which is a guy that dances with you. Okay, I like a chaperone. No. No, it's like, like a prince. Exactly. So the girls of the quinceañera court are called damas, while the boys are called chambelanes. So what is there? There's a mass... A father-daughter dance, a ball, a toast, gowns, heels, a lot of frills, big frills. You have to be presented to society yeah. and you have, and a guy has to escort you for some reason. Yeah. So you have to ask someone to be your chambelan. Oh, you, get to, you get to ask. Oh, of course. Okay. You get who, to choose. Who was your chambelan? A guy that I fancied all the time, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, okay. I asked him to be my chambelan because I really fancied him. And on the day of my actual quinceañera, on my birthday, he was just like very weird because mm. I think he was into me. Ah. So he came with like a fluff, like a stuffed animal oh, as a no. present, but oh. he put some Your of his cologne. Your hand gesture indicates a very large yeah, stuffed animal. Yeah, big stuffed animal. Covered he, in cologne. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, what the like, I made a huge Nothing, nothing gets a girl hot like a really smelly giant. Yeah. But also, nothing weirds out a girl more than somebody who she likes, who she finds out that's really into her. Yeah, it's awful. That, but that happens when you're, when you're 15. When you're, yeah. So he ruined my birthday. <laughs> by by, by liking you. into me. I was what an asshole. An asshole. Oh, if you're God. listening to this, <laughs> yeah. you owe me a quinceañera. Hey, Jimenez, if you're out there. <laughs> you. Jimenez. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Jimenez. But listen, these things are no joke. The amount of money spent on quinceañeras in Mexico is astronomical. A typical quince can cost anywhere between $5,000 and $25,000. Happy birthday. I, I was reading an article in El Norte, which is like the, one of the most important newspapers in Mexico. It says like the loan that people ask for the most in Mexico. Mm. Guess? Wedding yeah. or quince. Wedding or quince. Where more you than more than mortgage. More than a car. More than a car. More than a house. It's a loan. Just for a one-off party. For a party. Whoa, 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 whoa! This isn't El just a one-off party. So it's at this stage in the conversation that we actually start referring to our notes. We decide to do a speed round, which is a little different from the usual. The top five big ones, the, the the headlines from around the world, which immediately pop up when you Google Mexico. Mexico is an inhospitable, crime-riddled desert. What should I say? True or false? <laughs> Why is it speed round? <laughs> True. People false. get freaked out. Okay, Mexico is small. False. We'll just put dings behind it. It'll be fine. Okay. Mexicans are lazy and always late. Mm. No, we're not lazy. Everybody wants us in their country to do labor. Mm. How can we be like the epitome of labor and also of laziness. Yep. It doesn't Ab make any sense. Absolutely perfect. For hardworking mm -hmm. people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican it. Independence Day. Nope. <coughs> it's not. Ding, 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 ding. It's the American, what Americans believe to be the Independence Day, which is 
the most important thing because they create culture. Mm. Americans only. That's only. all they do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. They pump it out. Yeah. It's content yeah. factor. That and yeah. Deep fried Twinkies. Mm. <laughs> There are more Americans migrating to Mexico than Mexicans migrating to America. <laughs> Is that real? That's completely false. I thought that you were saying Mexicans to Oaxaca, like from our parts, and I was like, oh, that's very niche. <laughs> but no, I think that, I don't know if you do this, but the most important source of income in Mexico are money coming from the States. Right. Wire transfers. Exactly. Remesas. Western Union. Western Union, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> So every now and then on Misinfonation, we bring up something that lights up our guests' eyes, their heart, their soul. Sometimes we just hit on something which opens up a part of them that we didn't know existed. That's kind of why we do this show. And on my piece of paper, I had one word written down, which knowing Elena a little, I was certain she would not be into. And boy, were you wrong. And that word was... Telenovelas. Telenovelas. Por favor, what do you want to know? I am completely uninitiated apart from the Will Ferrell movie that he decided to make into a telenovela. I've never seen one. Institution. Why? They're amazing. They're amazing. They're like (laughs) soap operas in Mexico. They are one episode daily for six months. A drama always involving love. Very clear villains yes los malos ella okay. es la mala mm-hmm. eh, y la buena no the main character the protagonist is like this woman full of virtues it's also very sensual and half naked because she's poor she's dirty but she's beautiful telenovelas originate in latin america specifically in the 1950s They have huge audiences in Mexico, Venezuela, Brazil, Argentina. And Bolivia. (laughs) How dare you. (laughs) Now, they're also produced in the U.S. And in fact, Miami has become one of the main telenovela production centers in the world. There are thousands of them. Thousands. My favorite was Amil Porora. This is so. This is what I'm thinking. Tell me if I'm if I'm wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> Vaseline lenses, long zooms. Of course. Tears in the eyes, yeah. like bad, and then bad piano. A lot of yes. like tun tun, and people like yep. staring at Somebody, each other. Yeah. And that scene would be the ending, and it lasts five minutes yeah. when they were like chan chan chan. Oh, I almost yes. die and come back to life, and it's insane. And. Like you just said, we would go back to school and be like, did you watch the episode? Yes, I did. And then the one that didn't, no, I couldn't. And then you would recap it for your friends. It's amazing because you get to relive again. (laughs) So we wondered if there was something beyond the kitschy, long-staring, cheesy entertainment value of these things. What do telenovelas say about the country? Take it away, Elena. Our personalities were modeled by soap operas. Mm. Is it a way, because you're saying it's a very kind of conservative society, is it a way to get like kind of the dirtiness? Is it salacious? I think it's become more more salacious with time. But back in the day, I think it was more a way, a way for the government to get culture into Mexico, Mm. like redeeming poverty. Like they have this saying in Mexico, like, I'm poor, but I'm honest. Mm. Or I'm poor, but I'm clean. Or I'm poor, but I'm happy. So, seré, seré pobre, pero soy honesto. Soy pobre, pero soy feliz. Oh. Mm. And that, those were phrases that were repeated constantly in soap operas. Yeah. Also, because Mexico is a very poor country. Mm. O sea, well, poverty overall. And it was also a way of the government to, like, keeping people from oh. revolting, I think. Like, so there's a lot of people talking about how soap operas modeled people's personalities and also put into the culture what the politicians wanted to put in. because like glorifying oh, poverty. Yeah. It's like uh, opium of the masses. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And also because this, like, obviously the government 
for a long time was a was a dictatorship basically like we did have changes of president because it's ingrained in the constitution but it was the same political party ruling for a long time for 70 years yeah so basically after the mexican revolution which was in 1917 until 2006 i think was when the the next more, more than 70 years and people would not do anything mm. would not revolt against that it was right. very corrupt And people would just go on with life thinking, yeah, this is this is what it is. We'll be back after this short break with superstition, food, the darker side of Mexico, and the goat sucker. Yep. And also a quick reminder before we go to a break to head over to the App Store now to download the Circa app on iOS. Every episode of Misinformation and Passport are there, as well as tons of other travel shows and our beautiful guide series. There's extra features such as maps, favorites, photos, plus an incredible concierge service to connect you with local people on the ground to answer your questions in real life and in real time. No robots. Anywhere you want to travel. We'll be right back in a minute. Hi everyone, Circa is recruiting new concierges. A Circa concierge is a friend to ask anywhere in the world. Real people, on the ground, never bots. If you want to be a concierge for your city, go to circatravel.com to sign up. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And we're back. Sayings, idioms, and popular phrases are something we've become obsessed with here at Misinfonation. They follow us around, they can shape our lives and the culture they stem from. Mexico is no different but they do have a very unique way of looking at the world. So we hit Elena with a few of our favorites, including this little gem. Con dinero baila el perro. <laughs> <laughs> if you pay enough money, you can get whatever you want. Yeah, it's with money the dog dances, right? Yeah, yeah. but it's like basically, well, if you offer enough money, yeah. you'll get stuff done. Arbol que nace? Torcido, jamás, rojo, What is that? Like, if, if you've always been a little shit, you will be a little shit your entire life. Like, don't so trust like, people that are saying that they've changed. People if, don't change. If a tree was born crooked, twisted, it would never, never gonna be get straight. It's never going to be straight. Hmm. Which I think is false. Más sabe el diablo por, por viejo, viejo que por diablo. Hmm. It's like... You know more stuff based on experience than just by learning stuff. Lo barato cuesta caro. Yeah. If you take like the short way to do something, it it will take you longer. Mm. Like cut, don't cut. Don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. Mm. Ryanair. <laughs> Spirit, Spirit Airlines. Exactly. Standing room only. <laughs> we'll make you pay to go to the bathroom. Okay. Another speed round. Mexican superstitions. What about them? <laughs> What do you want to know? All right, we, 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 Neil found a list of some of the strangest Mexican superstitions. So you can tell us if you've heard of it, if you believe in it, or if you don't. Okay. I swear I laughed for about eight straight minutes after discovering this first one. If you ever dare stare at a dog while it shits, you'll get a pimple in your eyeball. Uh, I believe that. <laughs> ding, 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 It's ding. one of the greatest <laughs> things I've ever read. It's so visceral and horrible. It's not a thing to believe. It's science. <laughs> what I love It's is... It's a fact. What I love is that right under this listicle, there's just an yeah, image. This, this and image, all it says this is, image. this image is no, no longer available. <laughs> It no, but make... it's not. It's it's more like ah, I have I have this in my eye, like una perrilla, yeah. and and someone will go like, you saw a dog having a wig. 
O sea, it's not like I saw it first and then I get it. It's just like I got it and someone comes with this scientific explanation that it's because you saw a dog having a wig. It's more just looking at a dog in its eyes while it's doing a poo. It just... I just really find it funny. What is about that? Because that's... it feels like a telenovela scene where you're just like dun dun, 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 dun It's the... automatic. It's like ah, I'm getting a perrilla. It's called ah, you saw a dog. Ah, yeah, I must have. All right, it's true. <laughs> it's true. That's science. All right. Yes. So, from laughing to crying, La Llorona. Or the weeping woman, like most folklore stories, is basically a tale told to children to stop them wandering off into the woods. The ghostly figure of a crying lady, often by a lake, is a horror burned into children's minds. Don't ever go to the river at night, or the Yorona will get you. No, I think that Yorona is it's everywhere. It's not just limited to a river. But Yorona is very specific. Yeah, Llorona, who, who is the La Llorona? La Llorona, it's a woman, they killed her sons mm. because she cries, mis hijos, mis mm. I don't remember why they killed the sons or who did, probably the husband, because we all know it's always a husband. <laughs> but something like that, and it's like a ghost of a woman crying for her children. Mm. And she haunts Mexico. Mexicans. <laughs> she wants Mexico. She wants Mexico. All of Mexico. She's a, the hardest working ghost in the world. Along with the chupacabras. <laughs> the chupacabras in La Llorona. Even the fucking ghosts don't take a day off. So, next up, El Chupacabra. Literally, the goat sucker. The Latin American version of Bigfoot. Sasquatch. The Yeti, which became legend in the mid-90s, first in Puerto Rico. Early reports described a creature that stood upright and resembled a large reptilian kangaroo with huge blood-red eyes. I think it was just a thing, I think... In the, the 90s? In 94. It was in 1994 that the chupacabras... Existed. The sucked on goats. The goats. No, but the thing was... I don't think that was... It started as like this. It's just a lonely shepherd. No. (laughs) And it was like this animal monster Mm -hmm. that was sucking like (laughs) vampire style bites in goats. And then they had, they they made like a. (laughs) She's doing doing a little dance. She's doing a little hoof, like a hoof dance. (laughs) Doing a goat dance. Someone made a sketch. Like a drawing, like when you go to the police, how yeah. do you call that? <laughs> like, what can you do? <laughs> how do you call that? Like so a, yeah, like a, a police sketch. Yeah, police a police sketch. sketch. It had tiny and, ho- little and hoops. Then, so there was this drawing all over the news about how the chupacabras look like. And it's like a goat. Like his goat feet but like his eyes were a little further apart yeah. that's him that's him yeah it's like someone went it. to the police and it's like someone is doing this to my ghost I'm gonna describe it to you and there was this <laughs> shitty drawing the guy was like <laughs> so no the, le- the eyes are more yeah. f- are further apart yeah. they bring him in they bring him yeah. line up in yeah so oh, but then amazing. they started it was it became so ingrained in the culture that I remember going to bed with the duvet Hiding underneath the blanket. From the police sketch Sweating, obviously, because the chupacabras when I was going to come inside the window and murder me oh, in my sleep. Good God. And, I, and I didn't sleep all of 94. That's why I remember <laughs> it was 94. I was awake most of it. Okay, so most sightings... Even photos, and yes, there are photos, not just police sketches, of the famed chupacabras are now almost universally accepted to be sickly starving coyotes with mange who developed a taste for goat. Somehow creepier, and creepy in a different kind of way, is a man who seemingly carries currency around in his wallet from nearly every country in the world, Andres Bartos. So I, I feel like I might have some Mexican money on me. Oh, my That's God. That's what we're talking about. Yes, money. I do always have money from everywhere. That's not Mexican money. But this is old-ass Mexican money. I've never seen that before. So, so, and the Mexican money is always really cool. Like, look at that. 
Yeah, there's yeah, some we use a lot like the Aztec calendar. Yeah, the Aztec calendar and all this. I'm trying to find what year this is from. There it is. Ah, it's 1991. Three years previous to the chupacabras. Pre chupacabra. There's some weird shit going on. on even the Mexican flag has an eagle, an eagle standing on top of a cactus eating a snake. Yes. You don't know the story. I do know the story. Okay. Tell us the story. Yeah, tell us the story. It's White boy. Where, <laughs> it's where the settlers decided they were going to build Mexico City on, yeah, the, 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 on, the, the, on the, the lake. But isn't there, isn't there an even weirder story where they'd already seen the same image once and somebody told them that if they ever see it again, yes, yes, yes. that's where they, right. so they had to see it, they had to see it twice. twice. Yes. <laughs> makes it very complicated. And it, it makes sense to superstitious people to believe in that because... Mexico City is built on a shit hole. Yeah, so it's like this a swamp. is scientific fact that superstitions are false. Like, <laughs> why would you follow the advice of a drunken old person saying like, yeah, find a snake and an eagle and build your city on a swamp? This lake bed looks good. Yeah, let's put exactly. Up, let's put up exactly. some buildings. However, if you look at a dog taking a shit, that's not Yeah, shit. that's not <laughs> So the lake bed Texcoco, which Mexico City is built on, has meant that the city has sunk more than 30 feet. Right now, it's estimated that this monstrous city is dropping up to 20 inches per year. Scientific estimates suggest that this will continue for around 150 more years until the ground compacts, adding another 100 foot of subsidence to the sinking of Mexico's capital city. Mexico is a country filled with languages. The Mexican government uses Spanish in the majority of its proceedings. However, it recognizes 68 national languages, 63 of which are indigenous. Of the indigenous languages spoken, two of the most used are Mayan and Nahuatl. Azcapotzalco, Texcoco, Tenochtitlan, Tenochtitlan. These are old Aztec words. I'm just going to have to leave <laughs> And also, this one. Popocatepetl. Popocatepetl. She does it really good. Popocatepetl. Popocatepetl. Which is a volcano? It's a volcano, an active mm. volcano. Yeah. Popocatepetl. Nope. Popocatepetl. <laughs> Popo? You sound like Adam Sandler falling down his flight of stairs. Are we going to stay here until he gets it right? <laughs> I'll spare you the suspense. I never got it right. We're going to talk about food. Yes. And potentially diarrhea. Oh. (laughs) Okay, yes. (laughs) Mexico, a place whose food needs little introduction. We picked a particular taco first. Taco de ojos. Eyeball tacos. Usually cow eyes. They are a real thing. But we were totally unaware of its double meaning. Tacos de ojos. Tacos de ojos, what animal? No, puñetas, taco de ojo is when you fancy someone. Oh. <laughs> what? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, really good. Like, taco eyes. That's amazing. Yeah, that's me really estoy good. echando un taco de ojo. Oh. Stop flashing me them taco de ojos. I was like, I never had a taco de ojo, but I had. <laughs> uh, I don't think, I, I don't think I I've ever had taco de ojos. <laughs> Staring at someone and having a good time while staring. Mm. Your eyes, your eyes turn happy. Yeah, but not necessarily falling in love. Right. Just like being a sex pest. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There are more than fifty, let's say, officially named tacos found all over Mexico. But like Elena says, anything can be a taco. The taco is a national treasure mm. because a tortilla is like bread. Mm. You put anything on bread. Right. So you can put anything on a taco. Mm. So a taco is not, it's its not what the world feel it is. Mm. Like a taco is, you do, you, do le, you do, all of your tacos are made of leftovers. 
you have tacos almost every night for dinner. Because if you had like some beef, for example, and you didn't finish it, then you cut it in little squares and put them some tomato and cebolla and, and aguacate. And, and then hot sauce. Exactly. And then you have a taco. Oh, Jesus. So or you can have a taco with eggs mm. for breakfast or you can, you can put anything on a taco or just avocado and that's a taco. However, in Mexico, there's one thing. And this one thing, it can only be one thing. Guacamole. Guacamole mm -hmm. is just smashed avocado. <laughs> Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing wow. else. All that other horseshit is it's gringo. Not gringo, but it's people masking avocados. Mm. If you have an avocado in Mexico, they taste like green gold. Mm. There's no need to put anything on it. Mm. Maybe a little bit of salt, mm. but no. All right. You hear that, people? That's right. Now, let's talk salsa. There are many, many variations in the ingredients used to make Mexican roasted salsa. However, when it comes to pico de gallo, the recipe always includes the same base ingredients. Fresh ripe tomatoes, onions, chilies, cilantro, lime juice, and salt. A proper Mexican household has their own made salsa. It's bottled, it's got a cork in the top, and there's, like, dates written on it. <laughs> no, you made it every day. You make it every day fresh. You make it every day or, like, maybe twice a week. So you make a fresh pot of salsa, and you get it out for as many meals yeah. as it lasts, and then you make another. Even in each household, the salsa tastes different. So it's, like, it's, it's, another, it's another dish. Okay, so obviously, stereotypically, blatantly... Mexicans are all spice addicts, right? I don't like my food too hot, okay. really. I would eat spicy food, but yeah. not dramatically. Like some of my family, they're like, ah, they have to, I don't know, have diarrhea. <laughs> so they need fire coming out their asses. I'm not like that. But well, yeah, that's why people it's always, say, like, it's always on the side. Wherever you want. Yeah. Go as hard as you want. Yeah. How, how much diarrhea do you need? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people, we got to do it. Food speed round. Number one, pozole. Mm, me encanta. <laughs> Deli. <laughs> great dish. There is a great place in Mexico City called La Casa de Toño. Okay. They only sell pozole and other things. But it's like pork yep. shredded yeah. in this broth made with, creo que chile ancho. Or it's, a, it's a chile that it's not very spicy. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> me and Andres just we sound just like, like Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? We're just like, uh, and like uh, big pieces of corn, choclo. Choclo is what we say. It's like the big tooth corn. See, sí. and and it's a it's a soup. Mm. But in this place called La Casa de Toño, you have all the broth you want. So they give oh. you a lot of pork. But if you finish the broth, they give you it's bottomless broth, oh, which is the best. Get the Jesus. It's the best, and it's so cheap. Delicious. Number two, sopa azteca. Ah, I really like it. It's como la sopa de tortilla. Mm -hmm. it has, it's, it has like fried Toasted tortillas. tortillas. Yeah, that's fried it. Fried tortillas. And you put avocado. And it also has some kind of chili. Creo que también es chile ancho. <laughs> and tomato. And everything tastes very samey, but different. Mm. Deli. Number three, chapulines. Grasshoppers. Mm. They're just crunchy. And <laughs> you don't seem too excited. Is they're not that exciting. Did you get so what a, do you get? Like you get a, a pimple cone, in your eye? A cone, a cone filled with grasshoppers? Or how do no, you order? like... Do they have little waistcoats on? Yes. <laughs> how did you know? And you eat them and they scream, no! <laughs> Number four, huitlacoche. Ah, I love that. Yeah. What it's is it? It's fungus of the corn. Mmm, delicious. It, it Damn. Is. I love it. It's really good. Corn fungus, yeah? yeah? But how do you eat it? What, what am I... What if I order it? What do in I In a taco, like in a quesadilla. So you okay. put like cheese mm. and este, with la coche. And some corn fungus. It's really good. Yeah? Yeah. What color is it? Black. I, I might... I might it, it, it's translated here as corn smut, which I might draw the line I would at. try it. So on Misinformation, we never tell a guest any of the questions we're going to ask them. 
but we always ask them to bring their own list of what the obvious questions are to them. And Elena did want to talk about a few things close to her heart, including safety in a nation forever publicized as being incredibly unsafe. You ask me before coming, like, what's the myth you want to debunk from Mexico? And obviously mm. I'm not going to say if it's a safe place. I'm not a moron. But, like, this idea that foreigners have that they're going to go to Mexico and they're going to be kidnapped. Mm. Like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> Why are they going to kidnap you? Organized crimes in Mexico, it's a thing and it's real. I'm not going to say true or false, it exists in the news. But, like, it's all about domain of a territory right. and like fights between themselves mm. and in the really bad days it was like in uh, mid noughties it was about when it got really really bad especially in the north in Monterrey it got really bad you had people hanged by bridges and stuff like that it was horrible but it was between them yeah. it got a little bit with society because They started getting with citizens and stuff like that, especially because the federal government decided to do like this war against drugs, mm. which has always been, also, it never, never works. works. And it started going really bad. But even when they were kidnapping civilians and stuff, they were targeted. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. kidnap you because you're wealthy, because we know your family, because we know their resources. It's, it's a political problem. Online, in fact, you find a lot of stats showing things like being an American in Mexico is statistically safer than being an American in Texas. But safety in Mexico is always going to be something to keep an eye on. You heard Elena. We can't rightfully say that it isn't. So, of course, check where you're traveling to and through and be smart and aware. But the truth of it is, if you don't go looking for trouble, you probably won't find it like anywhere. Then Dre hits Elena with one more serious question. What about being a woman in Mexico? It sucks. Like feminism is like 50 years behind mm. and the power play in a household is still male dominant. And yeah, but for instance, my own mother, she believes that my husband is the best man on earth because he takes care of his own children. Jeez. So my mom, like my husband always says this, like, I love when your mom comes because I have to have a vacation in the macho world. Like, because my mom won't let him do anything right. because, because he's, he's a, a man. man. Yeah. Exactly. So I remember when she came to visit us the first time, I was like, hey, hi, hi mom, come sit down. He's like, oh, okay, what about food? Yeah, don't worry, Dan's making dinner. She's like, what? what? Really? Yeah, yeah, he's making dinner. <laughs> but, but, but she was like, she was so uncomfortable. She like, couldn't handle she it. She couldn't handle it. She couldn't handle, like, a man taking care of her instead of her taking care of yeah, a man. It's the world upside down. Yeah, she was like, what? We're 30 years behind on women's rights in Latin America in general. And, and, and you feel it being there. But that's it. As dark as Mexico can seem to an outsider reading the news on a day-to-day -day basis, well, there's just this incredible amount of joy and life and love and hospitality in the people and in the country. The whole thing that we've, that's, this show is about is a little bit about like the person as they move through the world, mm. carrying the baggage of wherever they're from. So you, Elena, walking through the world as a Mexican, how do you carry that? How do you feel about that? Are you proud of being Mexican? Is it a mixed bag? I really like my culture. Mm. I really miss it. I feel like everybody should have a Mexican in their lives mm. to be happier. At the same time, I'm ashamed of the other things we talked about, yeah. like corruption and machismo and everything. But... I feel really Mexican, especially mm. when I compare myself, how I respond to culture. I feel at home in Mexico because everyone is very welcoming. And that's 
and that's harder when you go somewhere else, especially coming from a culture where we're hosting and welcoming people is so important. Do you find there is like like an overwhelming sense of the same thoughts about Mexico no matter where you are in the Yeah, world. everybody loves Mexico. <laughs> They do. They do. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying just to say it. I know. Not because nobody has a thought about you Bolivians. <laughs> Which is the way we move. Yeah, still. Yeah. Nobody knows who we no, are. No, I think, <laughs> I think everybody likes us. Yeah. Except like the drunken football fans. But people like us. Well, yeah. we're, we're well received around the world. Except you- in the States. Yeah. Hmm. But everywhere else. So when you say everybody should have a Mexican in their life, why? Because we're cool. <laughs> we're you pretty. Did, you, nah. did, you did taco eyes right there. Yeah. You did the taco. <laughs> taco de ojo. I think we're fun. We're welcoming. Mm. We're good friends. Nice. Like we we say yes to everything, but we follow through. Like yeah. we, we're fun. we did this. Exactly. It took, it took one message to, and you're like, yep. Yep, exactly. I have to take tomorrow my children to school and I'm talking to these two douchebags because I said yes. Everyone should have a Mexican friend. At least one. So thanks to Elena, who always says yes, for being our guest today. Well. Well. Thank you. You're welcome. This was amazing. That was, was a joy. So much fun. That it was, was the, that was the longest we've ever talked together. I think in a world. I, think I, yeah. I take the tiny violin. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. You're awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You've been amazing. I had a lot of fun. You've done well representing one hell of a country. You Viva think? Me- I hope. Viva Mexico. Viva Mexico. Viva Mexico. Ay 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 ay. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, Elena wrote to us after the show to give us her very favorite places in the wonderful nation of Mexico. So, here we go. Number one, go big or go home, Mexico City, obviously. The world's fifth most populated city is a place you could get lost in thousands and thousands of times and in thousands and thousands of different ways. And we mean that in a good way. Sinking colonial architecture, iconic artwork, world-beating museums and galleries, and all of the spicy cuisine you can eat. Number two. She was joking, but she wasn't. Elena's mom's house. We guess it's in Monterrey, but thought it best not to give out the address for this one. She's really recommending literally anyone's mom's house for some of that Mexican hospitality, leftover tacos, and sweet, spicy, homemade salsa. Seriously, like, get in there with the locals. Just not like in a creepy way, just regular. Up front. Number three, Sinaloa-style seafood, which Elena claims is best eaten the day after drinking mezcal and getting naked. The style is very fishy and very tasty. Eat ceviche, whole grilled fish, Sinaloa sushi, and perfect, perfect tuna. Number four is Elena's favorite barrio, Condesa in Mexico City. Arguably the city's coolest neighborhood, Condesa is definitely its greenest. Amazing parks, bookstores, cafes, boutiques, and galleries await. This is a place she recommended strolling aimlessly and seeing what you can find. The only plan is no plan at all. Number five. Player Cipolite is a beach community on the south coast of Oaxaca, just near Puerto Escondido. This is Mexico's first and technically only legal public nudist beach. It's very popular with tourists, so pack your mezcal, book a cabin on the sand, and do what the locals do. Get naked. So, that's it from us. Next time on Misinfonation, we're off to beautiful, beautiful Portugal with our friend Catarina. Huge thanks to Elena Garcia Beltran for making us laugh today and always. You can follow her nowhere because she don't do that shit. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you think it's a stupid question, it probably isn't. This episode of Misinformation was written and produced by me, Neil Innes, and Andres Bartos. Huge thanks again to Elena for all of her insights. 
The Circa app is available now at the App Store, a beautifully designed one-stop shop for travel audio, which gives you access to extra information, photos, and maps for all of the places mentioned in this episode. Plus all of our Circa guides to places like London, Barcelona, LA, Paris, Rome, New York City, Costa Rica, and Hawaii. Plus our one-of-a-kind concierge service, which lets you contact local people directly in those places to help you plan your perfect trip. No bots, just people. Our theme music for Misinformation is by River Deep Mountain Dew. The show is mixed and mastered by Julian Kuzneski. Stacy Book, Dominic Ferrari, and Avi Glijanski are hot tamales with a sprinkling of corn smut. They also executive produce the show which is hosted by me, Neil Innes, and a large, badly drawn police sketch of a chupacabra which proliferated news stations in Latin America in the mid-90s. Andres Bartos. We'll see you in the next place. (laughs) 